I mean, if someone would have said to me all these years ago, when I was, you know, freezing my nuts off, working through the night, digging a, digging a live electric cable up, <laughs> that I would have gone on to write four cookbooks, you know, be working in the world of food, I'd be like, wow. Pleased to have the wonderful Dean Edwards on the show today, which has been a regular chef on ITV's Lorraine since 2010, but first made his debut on ITV's This Morning in September 2009, where he featured in a weekly cookery slot, creating dishes for the ITV audience. After coming second in BBC's MasterChef Goes Large in 2006, he sought to change his life radically by leaving his career as a digger driver to pursue his love of cooking and food. You can now see him on social media. He has harboured over half a million followers where he does a range of content for you to enjoy. Hi Dean, welcome to uh, the Start and Don't Stop podcast. So very interesting story that you have. I think well, the crossover that we had was Star Wars over TikTok and that's how I found you. But then I recognised actually, <laughs> this is the guy from uh, ITV's Lorraine. Like, <laughs> what's he doing on my TikTok? Um, but yeah, it's just... I don't know what I'm doing on TikTok, oh, to no, be honest. You, you, I think you've, you've hit that perfect quality of videos. Is there like you've got a mix of your recipes and you've got all this ASMR going, which is just like super popular throughout the internet. What drove you from di- driving a digger to becoming a chef? Yeah, no, do you know what? It was really, really strange because I'd always loved food. I'd always cooked my entire life. You know, since I was a, a kid, we I kind of grew up in a family of, of foodies, basically. Not that we had, you know, any money, but we we always had, you know, great food. There was always a pot of something ticking away on, on the stove, you know. Um, so I grew up loving food, but I cooked because I I like to eat good food. And it's something I'd never really considered that you could make a career out of it. You know, it was just something that I did because I loved it. And funny enough, the, the digger drive thing just yeah. happened a little bit like most of my life. Things just happen and you kind of go, oh, do you know what? Let's go with it a little bit. I actually studied uh, photography uh, at degree level and I came out of uni. I, I moved back to Bristol. My dad said, look, you know, you're obviously skint <laughs> like most university students. I get you a job, you know, if you're in a few quid, go to London and chase your, your dream sort of thing. And seven years later, I found myself still driving a digger. So um, the food thing was something that wasn't even on the radar until Master Chef Goes Large launched yeah. in 2005. And I was just addicted to the show. I loved it. I just kind of thought, well, I don't know whether you remember the old school Lloyd Grossman No, but I, I did Chef. watch. I actually know. No, I do remember it, but very vaguely, but. <laughs> but it, it was it was very kind of mm. elitist it was very fine dining it, you know it was just kind of everything I didn't really like about food and then all of a sudden yeah. they kind of revamped this series and it became almost uh I don't know there were just normal people in there cooking and yeah. and I just loved it and I thought you know what I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a little go at that because you know, I backed myself a little bit that I thought okay I can I can cook little did I know how hard it was going to be but basically that that started my journey in food and that gave me the platform to be able to to go out there work in the world of food and I've been so so fortunate that 16 years later I'm I'm basically still living the dream I I love that just following your passion and you know and you've taken it this far and like like at that point of you know coming out of university and actually even just coming off straight off of MasterChef like did you envisage yourself where you are now back then no absolutely not it was something that I I truly I didn't know where it was going to go really there was no precedence for 
yeah. what was going to happen after MasterChef to any of us, to be totally honest with you, because it was such a new show. Obviously, now it's gone on to become the biggest cooking show in the entire world. You know, I didn't know what I, what I was going to what I was taking part in was going to become such a juggernaut of, you know, TV. So, I mean, at the end of MasterChef, we, we basically said our goodbyes never to kind of hear from anyone again. Yeah, That was the way it was then. Now I know they get looked after a little bit, you know, PI, basically if you win MasterChef, now you're going to get yourself a nice book deal. You know, you're going to do all the foodie festivals. Um, Back then there was no such thing. So it was a case of, well, what the hell do I do now? And actually I was a real, real, mad crossroads with it because I didn't know what I was supposed to do you know I was like okay well I've got this opportunity now to maybe do something with it or do I go back to drive my digger and actually I thought the whole way through MasterChef I was always just going to go back to to my old life um and just so happens along the way I, I had the opportunity to go and work um in an incredible restaurant up in Cambridge called Midsummer House and that kind of just kick-started the journey. I basically chucked my job in. You know, yeah. I don't know. Looking back now, I'm like, what was I doing? You know, like, I had a, you know, yeah. I, I, I had a bills to pay, I had a mortgage. But, yeah, I, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified to make that jump. And I've, I've never really been a huge risk-taker in life, you know. So to, to kind of leave yeah. everything that I, I knew... To, to take a chance on this this cooking thing was absolutely terrifying. And and actually sort of doing that stint at Midsummer House kind of showed me the things I love about food, but also the things I didn't like about food. And and eventually I kind of I think I've sort of found my niche where I'm I'm really comfortable. I I'm passionate about what I what I do. And and it, it kind of all led back to family inspired food. And for me that that that's everything. So I found my niche. I was lucky enough along the way to get a few breaks. Um, I did 10 years at ITV on This Morning and and Lorraine and, you know, some of the experiences I got to have along those ways. But I think just many, many things kind of came together to almost mould my my path. But to be honest with you, if if I said yeah. I was making it up as I, I went along, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> that is, I'd be probably understating myself um, because I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought it would quite honestly be a bit of a, a flash in the pan, you know, I would always cook. I know I, I would always continue cooking for the rest of my life because I, I absolutely love it. And that's, that's where my passion is. But um, yeah. yeah, I've just kind of gone with it, you know, and, and who knows what's around the corner still. And, and did you find it like, because you know, back then there was, there was no social media, was there? It was just like, it was nothing. So, because now it's no. just like you come off any reality TV show and then you've already got that following going, but then, you know, you, you built it up by yourself very much. Yeah, do, do you know what? To be honest with you, I um, you're you're absolutely correct. There there was no such thing as Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. There was nothing. So actually, funnily enough, now a lot of the the kind of work that is generated by people who come off of these yeah. sorts of shows, it's quite social media driven. Um, so if you come out of a show now, you definitely have a head start in that respect because I think, especially with a reality yeah. style show like. MasterChef or even Love Island you know people buy into the character people buy into the story and you know I, I think social media does play a huge part in 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 people's lives whether you like 
social media or not, you know, obviously there's a lot of negative connotations around social media, but there are also a lot of positives as well, which um, I may sort of dive into sort of going forward. But yeah, the social media thing was something that I absolutely didn't want to do. It was something that I thought, why would people be interested in my story, um, in, in what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis? So I basically didn't do it for yeah. a vast majority of all my time, you know, cooking at ITV, which, you know, talk about shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> Probably a bit stupid of myself. But when I started to realise that social media was going to play a big part in in what I was going to do going forward, you have to start to kind of focus in and... You know, what, what people don't understand about sort of people who, I mean, I, I never will call myself like an influencer or anything like that, but what people don't understand when they get to this kind of point, they think, mm. okay, well, that's that's really easy. You know, you, you, you might do a little kind of endorsement yeah. for, I don't know, a certain ingredient or something like that. You know, you make some great content. What people don't see behind the scenes is 99% of all the things that you do and see on social media, you're not yeah. getting paid for. So you do it because you love to do it. And I guess that 1% allows you the opportunity to do that other 99%, you know? So it's kind of a vicious circles, probably not, <laughs> not the way to put it, but you know, you can't have one without the other. So yeah, I realized social media was going to be a big part. And I think along the way you have to kind of learn as, as you're going and you have to kind of thing, find the things that work for you, the things that don't work for you. And yeah, I think you're right. As you mentioned earlier, I think I found a nice, happy balance. You also got the other side. It's like coming out of the, the noughties so you got you haven't got social media but then you still got the press and stuff like that like how can you handle at least with social media you can sort of control what's going on you can sort of you know negate the comments and things but okay magazine and things like that you must be in like the press yourself like especially coming off a show like that and and being daily tv yeah you know i've I've sort of had my experience with the press and and actually i'm not gonna lie to you I've, i've not had any massive negative you know experiences with that um I mean, back in the days before the social media, there Forums were the, stuff. the chat rooms and, yeah. you know, on websites and stuff like that. You, yeah, you know, so, I mean, I used to try and tell myself not to sort of look into that, <laughs> that sort of stuff. But I guess that's the, what, you know, what yeah. we're experiencing now with social media. Everyone's got an opinion. In that respect, you just kind of have to take everything with a pinch of salt and know that you're staying true to what you feel is is your right path and you're not doing things for for other people and i think in terms of longevity you know i absolutely yeah. would have shocked myself if i'd have said i've been doing this all these years later but i guess i think that does come down to staying genuine and true and and not trying to flog a dead horse yeah. you know it's it's something if if you're truly passionate about something somewhere along the way someone else will have similar passions and and actually, the one thing I find about social media and everything like that is there are really cool communities out there. You know, there's whether it's the foodie community, you can probably see. I don't know. Like, I didn't realize yeah. quite how bad it was in this light, but I've got vitiligo. Can you see all these kind of patches on my head? I basically got like a white skunk stripe going down. I know in your social media that you, you bring an awareness. To yeah. That, which is, which well, is there, there's something, you know, in, in terms of my social media and, and, and actually alongside the TV stuff, I hit it for many many years but due to finding amazing communities on the likes of instagram and 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 even tiktok these days um you find groups of people who showcase these sorts of things and, and actually it sort of starts to make you feel a little bit kind of oh yeah maybe uh it's, it's not so one-off you know and maybe i should use my platform to 
encourage people to be more comfortable in their own skin. So, you know, whether it's the food or the, the, the kind of vitiligo, the visible difference kind of thing, you know, I think social media, for all its negatives, does actually have a really cool part to play, you know, in, in terms of making people yeah. feel more comfortable as well. So, you know, but also I, I do see the negative side of that where people feel like they can just say whatever they want to, to anyone at any time, you know, without knowing the whole story. And that was kind of one of the reasons why I actually spoke out about the vitiligo in, in the first place, because some of the comments I was getting were, you know, just outrageous, really. So it was like, OK, I better just explain yeah. my situation. And now, you know, I, now, funny enough, now I'm sort of in the open about it. It's nowhere near as 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 bad if that makes sense because people are aware of my situation if if that makes sense so hopefully other people kind of feel that that positivity coming from that and, and use it within their own story that's that's great you're using you're using your platform that's, I, was, I was gonna lead me on to another question about getting rid of those troll comments those, those horrible comments but it seems like you know you've approached that like head on just go like, this is it Do you know this what my my thing is and um I, I guess we we all go through life having something like vitiligo since I was a kid it kind of always made me a little bit different to to the rest of my sort of classmates and everything like that. and you know at the time it is throwaway comments it's I guess it is a bit of banter when you when you're a kid you know and, and stuff like that to be honest with you I kind of grew a thick skin very early in life so it's things like that just really don't tend to bother me and actually I kind of have a little bit of fun with it within a lot of my sort of social media. I guess you could call it reverse trolling. <laughs> you, you, you know, you can't, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to get trolled. So you kind of set that up a little bit. So um, I can remember once a little while back, I, I basically trolled everyone by making the most horrendous cup of tea. And if there's one thing that's going to get people going, <laughs> it's making a cup of tea and putting the milk in yeah. first. You know, it's, it's little things like that. So, you know, I, I've, I've got a pretty thick skin. And, and actually, part and parcel of social media, if I guess it should be a place where everyone is absolutely welcomed without fear of being kind of, I don't know, dug out a little bit. But um, I think when you go into the world of social media, and it's something that I do explain to my daughter as well, you are putting yourself out there. And unfortunately, not everyone is nice so you you are going to have to grow a thick skin for the simple reason that not everyone's going to like you out there and not everyone's going to like what you have to say not everyone's going to like what you do so as long as you're comfortable doing it take no notice because there will always be these people out there trying to dig people out so for me it's always going to be part of social media but it's a part of social media that I don't care about it 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 doesn't it doesn't bother me so yeah. and I, I hope a lot of other people out there because it's just words it's you know and, and yeah well yeah we, we don't want that to stop stop anyone doing what they're doing you know saying like was there any point that you thought someone really really got to you you know regarding your passion um, cooking? has anyone just gone nah you don't cook it like that or is it do you just take oh, it and go, oh that's fine mate listen this is the way i cook it you do it your way yeah listen that you get um as, as someone who i think a lot of people and a lot of it's not not so much now, but I, I, I especially and, and actually it was something that I also had in my own head when I didn't want to do TV. It was something that okay. was kind of offered to me and I, I didn't want to do it. And and initially I said I said no to a lot of stuff because I mean, uh, for, for me, I'd always kind of struggled a little bit with confidence. Um, believe it or not, I'm, I'm a completely different person to the person I was even even back then. But I mean, not even 
so long ago, I was thinking to myself, well, when I had an opportunity to even go on this morning, I was like, well, why do people, why would people want to watch me? Like I, there are, there are yeah. chefs who are trained their entire lives to get to the point where they could show you how to cook a recipe, you know? Yeah. And so, so why me? And I didn't want to do it. And I remember, especially for probably the first six months of working it this morning, I was, I didn't enjoy it because I was almost oversaturating myself. I, I wasn't backing myself. I, I wasn't confident enough to kind of just go in there and, and, and cook and do what I loved. And uh, because I thought, oh, someone's going to catch me out. You know, what happens if he asks a question about this? And I would almost overload myself with so much that by the time it came time to film and cook, like my mind, my mind was just all over the place. And I remember watching it back at one point and just saying, you know, God, you, you, you don't look like you're enjoying it. And you, you enjoy cooking, you enjoy food and what an opportunity. And um, so I kind of, I'd always kind of struggled with, with that side of it. And, and eventually you just have to go, well, you know, it is what it is. I'm, if, if I don't start enjoying it, yeah. I'm not going to be, you either do it or you don't sort of thing. I'm totally lost where we started off now. You did ask a question. Or I'm, I tend to waffle on a little. No, because this is exactly what, because I know, I know you wrote, I don't know, I saw it in a press about, about this, but then I don't want to question on it, but you came onto it anyway, because how did you get over that? Because I, I get that myself in some, some of my day jobs that I do. Wait, people are trusting me now to do this thing. Like, mm. am I doing it right? And I'm, you feel like you're being judged. If they do ask you a question on something like really particular, like, do I know the answer for that? But like, how how did you overcome that? Because you're very confident on TV now. Like, like you clearly enjoy it. And like, just anything you do. Yeah, so. it's it was one of those things. And actually, I remember the question you said is whether I get picked out. Yeah. And it was, yeah, at the start when I was sort of cooking on TV, I, you know, I did get kind of dug out by a few chefs. What's this so-and-so doing? You know, <laughs> oh, that, that's okay. absolutely horrendous, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But actually what I came to realise was, and I think this, this is where I sort of really started to sort of find my niche a little bit with, with the family food, because I don't cook Michelin-starred food. I'm not a Michelin-starred yeah. chef. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a cook. And actually, what I, let's just bring it back to basics. I'm a home cook with a platform. So yeah. once I started to do the food that I loved that's when I felt comfortable and yeah you're you're, you're absolutely going to get dug out a lot by all sorts of people but you just have to say well listen and, and funny enough one one particular chef who used to constantly dig me out and I'm not going to name names because I'm not going into that but okay. I actually saw him pop up on professional master chef once and he fell to pieces so that brought a huge smile to my face to be totally honest yeah, we're all um, human, aren't we? so... <laughs> yeah exactly and that's the thing yeah. you know like sort of tv and and everything, it's its completely surreal. It, it brings with it its own pressures that you don't get. I mean, I keep bringing it back to cooking, but it, I think many of us can sort of knock up a, a nice dinner out in the kitchen with a glass of wine and a bit of music going with six hours. Yeah. But, you know, put put something in front. And, and I, I love, like, on Master Professionals, the skills test. When they go in, you say, right, do this. Fill it this, fill it this uh, mackerel yeah. or something like that. Do you know what? Unless you've done it, you might not know how to do it. So it's, you can't know everything in life. And that's the one thing I used to sort of tell myself when going back to the, the sort of questioning and, and overloading my brain, you, you can't, you can't know everything about everything. And, and actually mistakes happen all the time yeah. in kitchens, at home, professional kitchens, studio kitchens, you know, you're cooking live on TV, things happen. So you just have to go with it and, and sort of almost laugh it off really. And, you know, make fun of yourself a little bit because, 
things happen. And, and actually, once I found I was comfortable in that scenario and I was comfortable with what I was doing, and that's when I kind of almost found I was doing my best work. Brilliant. And like, what's, what's your go-to for like motivation? Because to be on TV like every day and things, you must have a go-to for psyching yourself up to go on it and, and sort of present and things like that. No, not, do you know what? Not necessarily yeah. because I've, I feel completely blessed to be doing something that I love. So, you know, my, my daily inspiration is, is kind of my life. You know, I've, I've worked so many crap jobs in my life, you know, to, tr- to make ends meet and to have an opportunity now to do something that I truly love. Yeah, there's there's no better motivation for that. And I'm I'm very fortunate in, in the line of work that I do, whereas no two weeks are the same. Everything's completely different, you know? So it's, I could be doing something one week, something completely different the next week. And that just keeps me inspired. It's just, yeah. So there's no, there's no psyching yeah. up. I mean, for me, I get up in the morning, I was like, right, come on, let's have it. What are we doing today? You know, sort of thing. And a lot of times I have things sort of lined yeah. up, jobs that I have to do, recipes I have to create and test. And, and you know, it could be photography, it could be creating content, it could be doing all sorts. So, I mean, I'm constantly inspired. So there's no psyching up, you know, f- for me in terms of getting myself going. But I just think it's that thing when, when you're sort of on TV and stuff like you. I mean, I've been doing it for 16 years now. So... Uh, mm sooner or later you do kind of get used to it and actually i I get to the point now i get excited it's not the the absolute terrified nerves that i used to have i get excited now and and i think that leads to i guess just doing your doing your best work because if you're happy comfortable confident um and i've experienced the complete polar opposites in the same situations and i i can see it's polar opposites in terms of what I can, what I feel I can bring to the table. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good. And I, I truly believe you have to go through a journey to get to that stage. It doesn't, it doesn't come, especially it doesn't come naturally to me. It's something I've had to sort of work very hard at over the years. But as I said, I feel very, very fortunate. And, and that's always kept me very grounded because, I mean, if someone would have said to me all these years ago, when I was, you know, freezing my nuts off, working through the night, you know, digging a, digging a live electric cable up, <laughs> <laughs> that I would have gone on to write four cookbooks, you know, be working in the world of food. I'd be like, wow, definitely that's not, awesome. you know? So, yeah, it's, it's that's motivation in itself. That, that is brilliant. Well, it seems like you're just driven by passion and you're loving it every day. But, you know, the reason for this podcast is, just, is for those people which are, you know, either starting a career or starting creating content or even thinking of like, oh, I want to stop it now. Like what what advice would you give for people like that? How can they, you know, just go for that end goal? Like because everyone has those goals in mind of, you know, oh, whether you're going to be a chef. Yeah. Whether you just want to be a YouTuber now, which is very common. <laughs> what would you give to those people? I would say like life is never too late to to make a change i i was 28 when i went into master chef you know and <laughs> if if i look back now how much my life has changed from from even then it's just absolutely baffles me that i'm i'm kind of where i am but for me you know that that journey is part of uh, a position where i said to myself do you know what if you've got the opportunity you have to go with it and no matter how hard it does feel and sound and as I said I for for very many years I kind of just kept one foot back into my old life because I was like oh god do I take the plunge completely you know it was it was hard and it's not an easy decision to make but if you if you back yourself and you do have a passion then I truly believe 
you owe it to yourself to 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 attempt it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, it's, it's, there's there's no um, there's no shame in in failure if it doesn't work. And you know, I can speak from absolute personal you know a, a personal standpoint because when people say you know you talked about you know I want to be a YouTuber and, and a lot of kids want to do that sort of thing. What I think a lot of kids don't see it's such yeah. hard work to do these sorts of things and very very few people actually get to that one percent where you're going to make a living yeah. from from this so you have to do it Definitely. for the passion it's not about becoming rich famous whatever you want to be whatever your goals are it's not about that you have to yeah. do it because of passion and if you haven't got the passion don't bother doing it very very few people get to that that stage where they can make i guess a living out of it so you have to do it because you want to do it and you want that to be your life. And, and and if you have that passion, I truly believe that actually you do find your way. But, you know, in terms of social media, it's incredibly hard to build. You know, I've been trying very, very hard for many, many years. And sometimes you just don't get that, that following. I, I think, well, I'll tell you a little story now. My, my last couple of weeks have been a bit kind of crazy, really. I was almost plateauing. Yeah. On Instagram, I think I was at 31,000 followers, which is amazing anyway, which, you know, I absolutely love every single one of those followers. You know, they've supported me from from the start, a lot of them, but I would kind of lose as many followers as I as I gained. And sometimes you just stumble over something that works for you. And over on TikTok, as you mentioned earlier, I've been kind of doing these crazy kind of ASMR videos and it was something my daughter always said to me she said oh dad watch this this is this is really satisfying watch this oh my god watch this look how they press that you know i'm like indy what are you going on about and then you sort of watch it and about half an hour later you realize why am i still watching this you know it's one of those things so i i started and it's still about food (laughs) yeah exactly so what i wanted to do especially on tiktok was kind of bring the asmr kind of food element to it um the only way i can kind of describe asmr you know like when to anyone that's listening to this is you know when you go out to, into the snow that freshly laid snow and you step on it and you get that kind of crunch on your feet and you go oh i love i love that noise don't know why it's kind of like that kind of scenario so i started to do that with food and it as annoying as it may may seem now a lot of people kind of sounds mad a lot of people kind of even stop me in the street and go, <laughs> you're the guy who slices frozen fruit i'm like absolutely not i'm not that guy yeah. <laughs> I am, but that's kind of not really what I do. So I started slicing frozen fruit yeah. and that sounds really random. If you'd have said a 44 year old bloke, what do you kind of do? What, what are you best known for at the moment? Slicing frozen fruit. But that's it, it's at the moment. Yeah, it's just really mad. Well, you got you have to you have to evolve, don't you? So what I'm, what I'm going to slice next, you know, I get requests now, which is a bit random. But um, basically, I kind of I wanted to keep that away from my Instagram because that was where I did my my recipes, my, my more kind of pure food content, if that made sense. Does make sense yeah. And I, as I mentioned, I was, I was stuck on 31,000 for two or three years. Every, every now and again, you get a nice bump. And I thought to myself, oh, do you know what? I'll just start posting the stuff over there. And literally in the space of two weeks, I'm, I'm not far off 100K now. And it just off the back of slicing frozen fruit. So my, my message to people out there is, if you find something that works for you, you have to roll with it. Go yeah. with it, you know, because... If it's working for you and you're gaining that traction, it's obviously there's a market for it and people are enjoying it. So if you are lucky enough to find something that works, then really embrace that. Don't be afraid of it. You know, like like I was, you know, I, I, I was afraid to kind of bring it to other platforms because all these platforms are different. 
Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. It's a whole complete different audience. You can't just move from one platform to the other and take your audience with you. You have to build that audience and build that trust. So it's a lot of hard work across all platforms. I'm probably scaring everyone off now about, you know, trying to sort of do this social media thing. But No, but it's... It's reality, isn't it? It's it's a full time job in itself, just running social. It media. is, and like, actually, well, I, I do that as well. But <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, that's one of the things that I've always wanted to do and stay true to myself is is I I run all my social media, and I know it's very very easy to let someone else do it, but then I think that you just lose everything that is unique about it. And, and actually, one of the best bits of advice I I ever had was um, a few of your listeners might recognise the name, but then I, I met a girl uh, a few years ago when I was working. Uh, on a job over in Berlin called Supercar Blondie. Oh, wow. yeah. And she basically does, um, she kind of just showcases supercars and, and rates them. And, and, you know, it's amazing. And she, she'd only been going yeah. on social media for about a year before I'd met her. And already she had millions of followers. So I asked for some advice, you know, because I was struggling to build what I was doing. And, and she said, listen, the only thing that makes you different from Every other foodie on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it might be, is yourself. So you have to be the selling point. You have to be that unique element. And whether that's something that you find by by putting your personality across during uh, your, your, your content or through written word, whatever it might be, you could be a blogger. You know, you have to get your personality across. And then sometimes you also stumble across something that works for you visually as well so for me you know I, I try and combine everything that I think makes my content unique and that's why I think I'm feeling that bump at the moment in terms of the, the amount of followers that I'm gaining because I think you know sometimes it just clicks and you just have to kind of go with it but try to isolate those things those things that work those things that don't work and you know it's, it's a journey and you know I've been doing it many many years now yeah and um and actually, I enjoy it. It's something. If you don't enjoy it, don't you know? Don't don't bother doing it. As simple as that. But um, I mean, back to the initial question. I just think it's it's a it's a case. You really, if you've got a passion, just do it. You never know what it's going to do. And you know, and you definitely said it. Yeah, don't don't beat yourself up if it doesn't work. There's there's so many people that I see over the years of you know they start YouTube channels and yeah, I'm I'm guilty of that. Yeah, I, I'm guilty of it as well. I did my own like um. I did that as a joke because my friend was around, but I was cooking dinner. I got him to film it. This was back in 2008. So YouTube wasn't even like a partner program or anything. I got him to film it and I did two, but then I stopped. But yeah, um, I definitely, I agree with you. It is a journey and that's it. You've got to treat it like a journey. It's not like a, I'll create two videos and then I'll be famous. <laughs> no, no, no. You just, you got to enjoy it. You got to have the passion behind it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I agree with you. Exactly. But it's like, uh, right, so... Let's 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 go back to how we interacted. You know, like I, I, I you popped up on my for you page on TikTok. I was like, oh yeah, like you know, I, I love a bit of Star Wars and stuff like that. And you just so happened it was a, a video about Star Wars locations in the UK. I didn't know I was going to do that initially. I really wanted it to be a gaming channel, and I've I've been trying to on and yeah. off all year all the time. And I was like, you know what, people are stuck. Mate, I didn't know I was going to slice frozen fruit. Yeah, I didn't know. Now I I get loads of requests. Like yourself, I'm getting loads of requests. It's just like, oh, can you do Hartford? if there's any star wars locations there was any marvel locations here i'm just well i'm that guy now and i created a website now you can just find all the locations yeah exactly but you know 
you've embraced yeah. it and sometimes you just stumble across your path and you know you might not ultimately enjoy that but you can always tweak and change you know to yeah exactly that fit your your passion but obviously I, you know if, if you didn't have the passion for that kind of thing then I guess it would have never have stumbled across it in the first place so yeah no it's, it's, it's cool yeah. man and and I say you know this it is a journey and and we don't know where these things are going to take us so it's just a it's just a case of enjoying it because you spend a lot of time in and and if it is even just creating content for tiktok it it takes a lot of time filming editing coming up with the ideas you know that's the hardest part i've got got loads like a notepad on my phone and it's just full of ideas of what locations to do next all people like comment saying oh can you do this place i'll try to find it it's probably comes back to my earlier questions like about motivation and stuff like it's uh, for myself i go right I need to make like three TikToks today and I just, I find it really hard because I'm like putting it off and off and off. Like, how do you get over that, that hump? Because I know 10% of TikTok users create content, the rest don't. What makes you get over mm. that hump? I think, um, again, it, it does go back to my journey a little bit because, you know, up until I kind of started my journey in, in food, I guess, I'd always kind of had nine till five, yeah. well, a lot, lot longer yeah. hours than that. But, you know, I don't, you know, at the, a job where I had kind of set hours. I had to be somewhere at a set time, until a set time. And especially the last kind of few years. Yeah, it's, it's tough because when you're managing your own time and trying to stay motivated to just not sit on mm. your ass all day and, you know, watch watch uh, TV or whatever it might be that you do in your spare time, it is hard to go, right, no, okay, well, I need to do this. And if I don't do this, then it kicks on. So you do have to get out of bed with a with a mindset that you actually are going to achieve certain things. You know, like I quite often have patches of of my time where I'm just flat out, just completely busy, flat out. I could be working away, I could be traveling around doing bits and pieces, and then I also have spells where I get mm-hmm. downtime, so to speak. But I try to use those times to create content which I yeah. can use at future dates, if if that makes sense for the dates when. I'm too busy to be creating. You kind of almost have to have that that little backup, something just in reserve where you go, because that's the most, the most, yeah. the biggest thing for me of social media is consistency. Hundred percent. It really is because you get forgotten very, very easily if you are not posting, if you're not, or if, or even if you just start to chuck out content, just there's kind of no effort to it because you just got right. I'm gonna stick out some content. People come to expect a certain. Thing. And I guess you find that with the podcast. You know, I've got yeah. a lot of podcasts that I listen to, and I know which dates I'm going to be listening to those podcasts. And if they're not there, oh, I don't know what to do with myself. You know, it's like if, if Monday afternoon comes around and I haven't listened to the Fight Disciples, I'm like that. Right, where is it? What's going on? You know, so consistency is the key to everything. So if you really do want to follow, I don't know, the, the path of using social media as a big part of your work-life balance then you have to be consistent with it so even if you haven't got the time to do something then what you need to do is make sure that you have something in reserve in backup to be to be posting basically because yeah as i mentioned you get forgotten about very 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 quickly and also what i find is you tend to sort of lose the motivation to keep creating if you once you have that break you you know well I I enjoy doing nothing you you know it's kind of you you become quite lazy I think so and I think your best work comes when you're yeah especially for me when 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 I'm under pressure a little bit that's when my best work happens so yeah that's stay consistent that's 
That's perfect. This has been great, <laughs> great chat with you. I've got loads of takeaways of just yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, this this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. So, but I know you. Are you actually a Star Wars fan then, or are you? Uh, are, are you a film location fan? Oh uh, yeah, I am. I am um, absolutely. Like I can literally. Ah, <laughs> I've, there I've you go. This, yeah. this is my notebook. <laughs> you are a bit of a geeky than me. Oh, well, D two. Um, no, I am. Be- before I leave you, then. Yeah. I will. I will show you one thing, and I want to see if, if you can recognise what this is. Right. Okay. That is uh so he was in the Mandalorian as well as like the the old ones. Oh, is this the IG88? Is it? That's it. <laughs> oh my god. I know. How did I put you were going to be under pressure. I haven't said then. that name so in years. If you're a Star Wars fan, I was like, right, okay. So this is the way I get away with having of course things in that. my house, you know, because the missus isn't as much of a Star Wars fan as I am. So I have to kind of find things hidden okay. in it's not just me. hidden in plain my view, you it. know. So people come in, what the hell is that <laughs> up on Dean's shelf, you know? Little do they know. So what it what it actually is? That like a, is that an original? Or is it's it? not a prop, but it is an original. So that is um, what they use for. I oh, see the the listeners out there going, oh, what are they going on about now? So IG eighty eight's head was actually a combustion chamber <laughs> from a Derwent Rolls Royce jet engine. So they used them as the lamps in the cantina scene in the original oh. Star Wars, and they also used it for IG eighty eight's head. So I managed to find someone. That broke down Rolls Royce engines, <laughs> and that's a that's a original. <laughs> so you do have the original. Yeah, it's like, an original, just, but it's yeah, not from the film. I'll say it's if that makes sense. That's it, fine. Like, put I it this way, it wasn't. It was the same factory. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, same factory, but it absolutely wasn't screen used. You know what? I think I might have to do a Star Wars podcast now. As oh, well. listen, <laughs> just just get you on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'd have another listener anyway. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm more of a, <laughs> I'm, I'm a collector, so you know, I love. Like yeah. the old sort of toys. I know it's making me sound like a real geek now. You know, all the old toys and figures and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's that's my bag. Obviously, I love the movies, but um, that that's where yeah. it comes from. Just, you know, I'm, I'm at that age where, you know, I can remember collecting as a kid. So that's kind of, I'm not that geeky mid-40s bloke who's, who's reliving his childhood, basically. <laughs> So where where can everyone find you on social media then? So it's it's handles? quite easy across all platforms. I'm at Dean Edwards Chef and on YouTube, Dean Edwards Proper Food. So nice and simple. And as I mentioned, I run all of my own social media accounts. So if uh, if if you've got any questions, I do really try and make an effort to to really get back to people if they have any questions about recipes, food, cooking, vitiligo, whatever it might be. I, I really try my best because I think, you know, in terms of social media, you have to have that personal touch, if, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, easy nice. to find over there. Hopefully you guys will come and check it out. All right, Dean, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. That's all right, mate. Have a wicked day.